This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I'm preaching a series of messages entitled, The Holy Spirit is for You. Somebody said, Pastor, how long do you think this series will be? I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Could be three months. Simply because, folks, most of us grew up hearing much about Jesus. And we grew up hearing much about God, but not much about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, he's just as much God as God is God. And he's just as much God as Jesus is God. So we're going to take our Bibles and we're going to stand, our Bibles, our iPads, whatever we have. And we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. It says this. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit. What did, Pastor, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means moment by moment being sensitive to His promptings. It means moment by moment. It, it's like, let me give you an example. God brings somebody's name to you and you feel like, well, I need to go... I see them, or or, or their name just comes to you. That's the Holy Spirit trying to show you you need to go see them. Or look, you go somewhere, and there's a voice that says, you ought to pick up the check for their meal. And you say, well, I'm going to rebuke. That's the enemy. No, no, he'd never tell you to do that. No, he'd, he'd never tell you to do it. No, that, that voice says, you, you know, you ought to pick up that check for their meal. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me, and I'll talk more about it. The Holy Spirit has shown me that, uh, that there's situations that uh, I'm more interested in being right than I am pleasing the Holy Spirit. He showed me in some situations. No, you, you, you need to be forgiven. You just be forgiven, and I'll work in your life. I'll work everything out. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? You'll start to say something. Something will say to you. You shouldn't say that. Now, let me tell you where I've been many times. I pop it out anyway. And then the Holy Spirit will say, you shouldn't have said that. And I said, God, I'm sorry. Has anybody ever been there other than me? Sure, sure. That's, I mean, that, that's walking in the Spirit. It's just moment by moment being sensitive to his promptings. This is not mystical. This is real, folks. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to talk to you about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. A relationship with the Holy Spirit. Ira G. Yates, I give that name, and I give that name, I give that picture, and nobody knows Ira G. Yates. Let me tell you who he was. He was a sheep farmer, a sheep farmer in West Texas. He owned a bunch of land out there, but he was a sheep farmer, and he was about to starve to death. He couldn't buy groceries for his children, 
Some of his children need medical, needed medical attention. He couldn't purchase the medicine. Some of his children needed clothing. He didn't have money to purchase clothing. He was a sheep farmer that was just about to starve to death. The day came when some oil well diggers came to him and said, can we dig for oil on your land? He said, you don't have anything? I don't have anything to lose. Here's what's interesting. <laughs> they dug for oil on his land. Today, <laughs> it's one of the largest oil fields in the world, the Yates Oil Field in Texas. Now, here's what's interesting. It was there all the time. It was there all the time. When he was herding those sheep and when he was feeding those sheep and when he was caring for those sheep and when he was about to starve to death, to be honest with you, it was there all the time. I want you to know something, folks. The power of the Holy Spirit was there all the time. He's there all the time. Now, I want to make some statements, just, just brief statements that hopefully will be a helpful to you. Many are apprehensive about the Holy Spirit. They're, they're comfortable when the preacher talks about God. They're comfortable when the preacher talks about Jesus. But when he starts talking about the Holy Spirit, they're real uncomfortable. Let me explain something. When you came to know Christ, when you came to know Christ, let me tell you what you got. You got God the Father. <laughs> you got God the Son. And you got God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Trinity wasn't dissected when you got saved. Amen? You got God the Father. You got God the Son. You got God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So when you got saved, ladies and gentlemen, you received the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know something. There's a difference in being in receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference in receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Look here. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians. First of all, who was this written to? If you read Ephesians 1 and 1, it was written to the church at Ephesus. Just like we'd write something to Rock Springs. It was written to a church. And look what he said to church people. Don't be drunk with wine. We're in his excess. But he said, wait, you be filled with the Spirit. So understand something. He said that Christian people need to be filled with the Spirit. D.L. Moody would always pray and say, God, fill me with your Spirit. And somebody asked him one time, D.L., why do you always pray, God, fill me with your spirit? And D.L. said these words. He said, because I leak. Because I leak. Let me tell you something. We're in this world with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I found out we leak. I found out that I leak. Many people are apprehensive about the Holy Spirit. Let me give you three reasons why we're apprehensive. Number one is ignorance. And ignorance only means unlearned. I hear people talk about it when they're talking about the Holy Spirit. 
He's not an it. He's not, he's not a force. He's not an energy. He's not enthusiasm. He's a person. He's a person. John 16 and 8 says, and when he has come, John 16 and 7 says, I'll send him unto you. He's a person. And you can have a relationship with him. I want you to understand something. God is on the throne. Jesus is at his right hand. The God that's here with us is the Holy Spirit. That's why it's imperative that we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's the one that is here. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. you got to understand something. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, he has a people for his temple. And we are the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit lives within inside us. People have apprehension because of ignorance. But people have apprehension because of indifference. See, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, somebody said, Pastor, that's kind of weird. The Holy Ghost. It's kind of mystical. It's kind of weird. But I want to hasten to say today, there's nothing weird about the Holy Spirit. There's nothing weird about the Holy Spirit. You say, Brother Benny, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, look what John 16 and 14 says. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me. He'll glorify me. That's why every time we meet, it's about exalting Jesus. It's about lifting up Jesus. He'll glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he's going to declare it unto you. What's the Holy Spirit like? He's like Jesus. He'll take what is Jesus's, and he will declare it unto us. So wait just a minute. Little children, how's the Holy Spirit feel about little children? The same way Jesus did. <laughs> when the Bible says in Mark 10 and 16, the disciples said he's too busy. And Jesus picked those babies up, and he held those babies, and he blessed those babies. How does the Holy Spirit feel about children? Just like Jesus does. He's not weird. What about death? How's Jesus feel about death? Well, John 11 and 35 says, when a friend of his died, he wept. How's the Holy Spirit feel? If you've experienced death, he cares. He cares. He cares. Because, see, let me explain. He's a person who has a mind, who has a will, who has emotions, who has a personality, who, by the way, is very sensitive. I'm going to spend some messages talking about that. 
very, very sensitive. You say, well, he needs to get over it. He's not going to. He's very, very sensitive. Well, now, what's he like concerning sick people? Well, what was Jesus? The Bible says in Matthew 14 and 14, I'll tell you what he was like. He had compassion on them. That's how the Holy Spirit feels about sick people. Well, what about people, pastor, that's messed up in life? <laughs> well, in John chapter 8, these guys started dragging this woman to Jesus <laughs> that they called in adultery. They dra dragging her. I, we caught her in the very act. Why didn't they bring that guy with them? I'm not real smart, but she couldn't do it alone. Amen? <laughs> Takes two to tango. Amen? I mean, I mean I'm just saying, why, why, did, why didn't they drag him too? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe he was one of their buddies. Jesus looked at those guys and he said, by the way, you that are without sin, cast a stone at her. If they'd cast those stones, I tell you what would have happened. Jesus would have turned them into rubber and they would have bounced back and knocked their brains out. You said the Bible don't say that. It didn't say it wouldn't. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said, You be without sin, cast a stone. And you know what the Bible says? It says, From the oldest to the youngest, they started walking away. You know why the oldest walked away first? <laughs> he had more sin. He had more sin. He started walking away. I just want to say this, folks. The Holy Spirit's not weird. But people have apprehension because of ignorance, because of indifference. But, but let me, let me state, make this statement. I'm, because of indulgence. You say, what, what, what are you talking about, Brother Benny? Because many people have experienced things in their lives that have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit that have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit. See, after preaching for decades, churches are either at one extreme or the other for the most part. I, I found it. After preaching for decades, you have extremes. Let me explain. Some churches are a cemetery. They're dead. No, they're dead. Instead of called and chosen, they're cold and frozen. They're dead. I mean, honey, put a reef on the door. It's dead. I preached in them. Literally, I preached in a church one night. Right in the middle of the sermon, a guy physically dies. Paramedics come. Carry out 14 before they get the right man. No spirit, no life. And by the way, it has nothing to do with the size of the church. You can be a small church and very much alive, and you can be a big church and dead. So some of them are cemeteries, but can, can, I, can be true, transparent. Some others are mental asylums. They're mental asylums. They're doing everything under the sun, and this is the famous line, the Holy Spirit led me. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything that there's not Bible teaching for. 
The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything that there's not a biblical basis for. You've got to understand that. That's so, so vitally important. Here's what we'll say. Pastor, I was just out of control in the Spirit. Well, that sounds good. But look what the Bible says. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Look what the Bible says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Wait. You will remember out of control in the Spirit. But the fruit is self-control. You got to understand something. Some people are apprehensive about the Holy Spirit because they have been places and they've seen all kind of shenanigans done supposedly in the name of the Holy Spirit. But if there's not a biblical basis for us for it, it shouldn't be there. There's got to be a biblical basis because the Spirit and the Word go hand in hand. Now, now let me say this. There's a second statement I want to make. The Holy Spirit is necessary for a victorious life. I, I want you to understand something. The Holy Spirit is expedient for a victorious Christian life. Ma'am, sir, you cannot live a victorious Christian life outside of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what family you're from. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what your education level is. Outside of the Holy Spirit, you cannot live a victorious Christian life. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. If you don't walk in the Spirit, if you're not careful, you'll be wobbling in the Spirit. If you don't walk, sometimes you may start staggering. But you've got to be led and you've got to have the Holy Spirit, to live a victorious Christian life. I, I want to give you some scriptures. I'm going to give you some scriptures. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, look here. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Look here, men, ladies. Adultery. That's relationship outside of your marriage. I've just got a feeling it's going to be a long point from here on out. That's a relationship outside of your marriage. It's, it's not, that's, God wants one man for one woman. You say, but you don't understand, Pastor. I'm in my third marriage right now. I'm not interested in that. That's fine. You need to be committed to that third marriage. Make sure there's not a fourth one and a fifth one and a sixth one. Amen. Stick, what, what, hey, you said, I don't know what God's will is. If you're married, I can tell you what his will is. You stick in there. You stick in there. Yes. <laughs> Problem is, uh, we start out and it's ideal. And we have a little ordeal and we're looking for a new deal. Amen. <laughs> no, you, no, you stick in there. You say, well, I've, I've had several marriages and it's all their fault. It'd be a great day when you take a hard look in the mirror. By the way, this is good preaching. <laughs> now look, 
Adultery, fornication, what does that mean? That means to wait to have relations until you get married. It means to wait to have relations until you get married. Young people, that's what it means. Even in 2020, even in 2020, wait till you get married to have relations. Uncleanness. What's, what's uncleanness? It's pornographic material. It's pornographic material. 64% of the men in the church view pornographic material on some level. 64% of men in the church. Look here. If I view pornographic material, it increases the possibilities of me being unfaithful to my wife by 300%. It increases the possibilities that I'll be unfaithful or she'll be unfaithful if she does it by 300%. And, I, and this is all I'm going to say. Most of the time you preach this point and, and you think, well, boy, I'm glad he's saying that to the men. It's alarming the rates and the women that are involved in it. It's alarming the rates, the women that are involved in it. Soft on sin. I think you've got the wrong preacher. Lasciviousness. What is that, pastor? That's being lustful. Idolatry. What is idolatry? Anything or anybody you put before God. Anything or anybody you put before God. Look here, you know what I know? I'm second. I'm second to Barbara. You say, you're second to your wife? Yes, because Jesus is first. Jesus is first. And I know that Benny's second, and he might as well get over it because, look here, Jesus is number one, but guess what? If Jesus is number one, she'll be a better wife to me. And if Jesus is number one in my life, I'll be a better husband to her. Jesus has got to be number one. Jesus has got to be number one. Not any human. Not any person. Anything that you put before Jesus or anybody you put before Jesus is an idol in your life. Witchcraft. You say, oh, I'm not, I'm not into that. No, no, wait, wait. It comes from the Greek word pharmakia, which means drugs. We're talking meth. We're talking about cocaine. We're talking about prescription drugs. Hatred, variance, emulations. What is emulations? It's jealousy. It's jealousy. Jealousy will destroy relationships. Jealousy, oh, I'm so jealous of him. I'm so jealous of her. It has more to do with you than it does them. It has more to do with the insecurities in your life than it does them. Gosh, why am I on all this? But he will destroy relationships because trust is the foundation of every relationship. It will destroy your relationship. Everybody don't want your husband. He's ugly as a mud fence anyway. Everybody don't want him. Somebody says, I can't believe the stuff he says. If you really knew the stuff I didn't say. Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Let's read on. 
envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings. What is that? That's just wild drunk parties. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, they which do such things, wait, won't inherit the kingdom of God. You said, oh, wait, Pastor Benny, will, will, will you explain that to me? Yeah, yeah. What that's saying, these things, and by the way, this was an exhaustive list. You know, it wasn't an inclusive list. But if you continue to do these things, it's an indicator that you're not truly saved. Because you listen to me closely. You can't continue to do those things and have had a true experience with Jesus Christ. I didn't say you couldn't do those things. Hey, I didn't say that. But I'm telling you, when you do those things, the Holy Spirit is going to clean your clock. When you do those things, the Holy Spirit is going to prick your heart. When you do, Listen, if you've ever known Jesus... You cannot do those things and continue to do those things without the Holy Spirit eating your lunch. And I don't know that from somebody else's experience, by the way. I know what God will do in my life, and I know what he'll do in your life. You say, well, Pastor, then I got to move. What's the secret? Look here. That's verses 19 through 21. Look what verse 22 says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Wait. He listed four sexual sins, nine spiritual sins, and four social sins. And he said the only way we can overcome them is through the fruit of of the Spirit, through the fruit of the Spirit. Well, here's what I thought. How do you experience the fruit of the Spirit? John 15 and 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. If you just abide in me, you just lean into me, you just lean into me, you just seek after me, you just focus on me, you just pursue me, you just seek me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You know what he's saying? He's saying everything in your life that you're trying to overcome in your stamina, in your spirit, in your strength, in your willpower, he said, I've got a news flash for you, Benny Tate, for without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. But he said, listen, if you'll lean into me, if you'll seek me, if you'll pursue me, I'll give you victory in your life because you'll have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me close. I've preached longer than I meant to. That's a lie. Let me tell you something. Let me close. That is the truth. There's a, there's a couple movies I'd like to recommend to you. I'd like to recommend these movies. Unbroken One. Unbroken 2, 
It's the Louis Zamperini story. Louis Zamperini. It's a beautiful story. And in part two, Will Graham, who's a friend of mine, Will portrayed his granddaddy, Billy Graham. And he preached, and he said, I, Benny, I preached daddy's message in part two of the movie. And he said, this is the Bible I use, Benny. I said, this one? He said, yeah. He said, it was granddaddy's Bible, Dr. Billy Graham. And he said, Benny, I want to give you granddaddy's Bible. I said, the greatest preacher that ever lived, and I'm standing here today holding his Bible. You said, Brother Benny, could, could I see it for just a little while? No, I'm afraid you'll run off with it. <laughs> Louis Zapparini, the Olympic runner, joins the Air Force, serves as a pilot during World War II, shot down in the South Pacific. Most of the men die. He and a couple survive. They're on a life raft for 47 days in the South Pacific. Louis Zamperini said, I said on that life raft, God, if you'll spare my life, I'll serve you. He said, about that time, a large boat came up. He said, I said, praise the Lord. Sometimes the way God answers our prayers is different. You want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. I learned a long time ago, a lot of times his plan's not my plan. A boat comes up. It's a Japanese boat. They take him to a POW camp. For two years, he's in a POW camp. He's starved. He's beaten. He's tortured. There was one officer named Bird who'd take the Birdman, would take sticks and beat him. He'd take his five-inch wide belt and bust him in the face with it. Call him everything under the sun. Spit in his face. Spit on his food. Tortured him for two years. Louis said, after two years, I was rescued. I go home to my wife, Cynthia. But I don't know how to deal with it. So he said, I turned to alcohol. Turned to drugs. He said, the reason why I turned to alcohol, drugs, and he said, I became very depressed. Is every time I'd go to sleep, I'd have a nightmare of the torture that I went through. He said, finally, my wife came to me and said, I can't live with you anymore. The drugs, the alcohol. She said, last night, I just can't take it. Because she woke up and he was having a nightmare and he had his hands around her neck choking her. 
saying, I hate you, bird. I hate you, bird. I hate you, bird. She said, I filed for divorce. And a friend said, will you go to church with me tonight? They're having a tent crusade. She said, I went to the tent crusade and I gave my life to the Lord. And I said, I, I called my lawyer and said, I don't feel like I should divorce him. I feel like I should try. She said, Louis, will you go? Louis went to the meeting, got up, was walking out. Dr. Graham stood in the pulpit. He said, tonight is somebody's last opportunity. And he said, as something spoke to him, and said, that's you. That's you. He said, my life flashed back before me. And I remembered the promise I'd made to God. He said, I went and I knelt to the altar and I gave my life to Christ. He said, I came back home. Not one more nightmare. Not, not one. No more alcohol. No more drugs. He said, I knew it wasn't my power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit inside me. I knew it wasn't my power. I knew it was the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said to Cynthia, she said, well, it's complete now. He said, no, it's not complete, Cynthia. Why is it not complete? Because the Holy Spirit's inside of me. I've got to go to Japan. I've got to go to Japan, and I've got to tell every one of them guards that God loves you. <laughs> and God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> will forgive you. And God can put love in your heart just like he put love in my heart. Let me tell you something, folks. Don't ever underestimate. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. What, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying just, just lean in. Let me tell you something God showed me, and I'm, I really, I'm done. God showed me a glass of milk, and he showed me water. And it was like God said, if I want to get water into that glass, if you do, you got to start by emptying the milk out. And then we can put the water in. Let me tell you something, folks. We got to empty ourselves of some things before we can be filled with God's power and God's presence. We got to get some things out. You know what your things are. You need to get out just like I know what my things are that I need to get out. But when we get them out, then we can be filled with God's power. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. 
B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.